This is the Stop Time Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Hopkins, and I'm here to engage you in thought-provoking motivational conversations around practicing the art of living in the moment. I'm a certified life coach, and I'm excited to dig deep and offer insights into embracing who we are and where we are at. So my next guest is most recognizable as runner-up on the reality TV show Legally Blonde, The Search for Elle Woods. She has appeared on Broadway in Legally Blonde and most recently in the first national tours of Little Women and Something Rotten. She has performed, she says, in 42 states and eight countries in regional theaters, stadiums, churches, gyms, houses, ranches, (laughs) restaurants, and almost any other performance space you can imagine. She is brilliant. She is funny. She's a mom and a wife. And I am so excited to introduce you to the well-rounded, beautifully talented Autumn Hurlbert. Welcome. What an introduction. Thank you. (laughs) You're awesome. And the first thing I want to say is that, you know, I read what what you gave me the, you know, the most most recognizable. And I don't know. Really? I don't think. I mean, (laughs) you know, I don't know either, but I do. I if we go by my social media presence, I think m- the people that are not in my circle that I haven't worked with or that I know from the business, all of all of that is people that have watched the search for Elle Woods. And, and it's weird. It's um, not so, it when it very first came out, it was, you know, very popular. And then it, you know, it sort of went into obscurity a bit. And then in the last couple of years, you know, it's been released on YouTube, I guess. People have uploaded it to YouTube. Um, and so I get, I can't, I cannot tell you how many notes that I get, uh, messages I get on social media from college students or young kids thinking about going into theater as an industry saying, I learned so much from that reality show. Can you tell me? <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not a real oh my <laughs> um, barometer for what? <laughs> how theater um is <laughs> yeah oh that's funny but, yeah huh yeah it's interesting I, I mean I yeah it's interesting <laughs> it is interesting and I, I'm curious you know here I go jumping in but I you know I, I'm so curious to know about that it's so funny we didn't get past your bio but but just because I know you in other contexts and I yes. know how how incredibly versatile and talented you are and so when I I I almost just like rewrote an opening going, you know, I don't, you know. That's funny. You're like, no, I know her better than this. What did you do? Yeah. Yeah. And and I thought, oh, I got to ask her because how much of that, like it was wonderful, I'm sure. And it launched you on, you know, you got your Broadway debut, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I'm sure that you're like super grateful and all that, but I'm curious, like how much of that is like a ball and chain for you? Oh, absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's, it's always going to be bittersweet for me because to be really honest, the experience of the reality show was pretty terrible. The number one goal is to get you super stressed and reactive. Um, So they, they just, they want to show you at your most explosive, whether that's your very best or your very worst. Um, And the way that they need to manipulate it can be pretty awful uh, psychologically. So I feel like while it afforded me a lot of opportunity, um, I always say, you know, 
I wouldn't take it back. If I, if I went, that is part of who I am. It's part of my story. I wouldn't, you know, not do it knowing what I know now, but I do think there's a bittersweet aspect that, um, I do wonder where my career would have gone without that attached to my name and just kind of what would have happened. And I think being on a reality television show that was supposed to be about musical theater, um, but produced by people who didn't know anything about musical theater, I was exposed to a facet of the business that I think it's sort of it jaded me a little bit before my time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I didn't earn getting jaded by, you know, I don't know, in the, in the regular way that you would, I just kind of was exposed to um, an aspect of fame sounds like so grand for this, you know, type of show, but you know, for, for never, for making my Broadway debut in the ensemble of Legally Blonde, but because of the reality show getting recognized on the street and getting, you know, asked for autographs when I'm coming out of the gym and things like that. I think it was just sort of, um, just put me into a world that maybe I wasn't quite prepared for. And that was immediately after the show. Um, Oh yeah. And then I was able to separate myself from it a little bit and regain my own sense of autonomy with my performance and not, you know, sing in a concert and be introduced as runner up of Legally Blonde Search for the Outwoods. Mm. You know, um, I was introduced as myself and myself as an artist. Yeah, no, absolutely. And also like you've had time to grow and now you reflect. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. The, the perspective is, is, um, is, is really helpful too. Isn't that everything? Perspective is everything. It it's, is. 100%. It's all in how you look at it, where you are in the moment, how you can look at it. Exactly. In the moment. Well done. Oh, nice segway. <laughs> <laughs> what is your definition of living in the moment? Um, I mean, I, I think my definition of living in the moment is um, participating in the world around you as it's happening without judgment, without attaching yourself to it. You're not worried about an outcome or you're not you know, traumatized by previous experience. I think being truly in the moment is really, truly just accepting what is happening at the here and now, literally in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's, it sounds like just sort of that acknowledging and validating what is, but Mm -hmm. not not adding, not assigning any meaning to it. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. To not be distracted by, oh, we have to finish these appetizers in 15 minutes because we have to be in the show. And, oh, I wonder if the babysitter is giving my kid the right meal or blah, blah, blah. You know, if you're not in the space to allow the moment to happen, then it's going to pass you by. Um, yeah. yeah, no, for sure. And just allowing yourself to be, to receive, to be yes. open to it rather than looking for it because the act of looking or the trying to win or the trying to hit the note, mm-hmm. or the trying to get the job. Trying becomes the verb as opposed to yeah, yeah, or living. <laughs> or, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can you identify what values you're honoring when you're in that space that are yours? You know, that's part of your manifesto. Wow, that's a deep question, Lisa. Wow. Yes. Can I identify my values in that space? I think. Um, I mean, the things that pop up right away are respect and synchronicity, you know, sort of being one with all, sort of um, like synergy. 
Synergy, yes. In that, you know, when I'm really in the moment, when I'm really, when I've released all expectation and released, you know, all control, and I'm able to just to just sit in the moment, I feel so connected to everything. You know, if I'm really in the moment, like let's say I'm, I've taken a hike and I'm able to sit in silence and just be there, you know, I feel connected to the earth and myself, but I also feel connected to some sort of ancestral pull. Like I feel yeah. like I am the same as those that came before me and I am the same as those that come after me. And it's my responsibility to retain that core value of oneness with everything, of respect of everything. Yeah. Let me ask you, um, do you remember, like, does it stand out for you what was going on in your life when you kind of heard that everything was shutting down back in March? Oh my gosh, I couldn't, I remember it so specifically and clearly because my birthday was the weekend right before everything finally shut down. <laughs> When's your birthday? Uh, my birthday is March 6th. That's so funny. Mine's on March 9th. So I remember, I remember it vividly too. It's the last time I ate in New York City in a restaurant. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. It was my, uh, Lisa, I mean, we are, I cannot even tell you how lucky my husband and I are that we didn't actually contract COVID because when I tell you it was my birthday weekend, it was sort of a big birthday. I was at a book signing in a church in Brooklyn. I went to the Celine Dion concert at MSG. I went to um, the Mrs. Doubtfire like last preview or whatever, or was it their final dress? I can't remember, but I went to a Broadway show and saw all my friends. We went to a trip in Westchester. <laughs> Oh my God. And that is that where it kind of all started? The guy on the train in Westchester? Yes. Oh yes. God. Yes. I mean, we literally could not have been more exposed um, <laughs> and somehow came away unscathed. It's so interesting because this year feels like it's been 10 years long, but it also feels like March was yesterday. Mm. As the weather is getting cold, I realized that um, I was in a really bad mood that week when it first started getting cold mm -hmm. i just i couldn't shake this feeling of like foreboding and just sort of melancholy and i was super grumpy and not very pleasant to be around and i was victim 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 just everything was so hard it's just it's cold and everything's so hard and i realized finally that it was almost visceral trauma from what it felt like when we first went into lockdown just how quickly just my fear of what was going to happen or my trauma from what had happened, like messed up my whole week. Like I wasn't in the moment for a week. Are there, are there discoveries that, that you've made during this time about yourself that have surprised you? Yes, I think negative and positive discoveries. I mean, I have ADHD, so it's not surprising to me that creating structure out of nothing was going to be <laughs> difficult. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I, I think I didn't realize just, just how dependent I was on um, somebody else's schedule yeah. for me to thrive. So the nebulous time in the summer where we didn't have anything, no school schedule, no work schedule, no nothing. I just, um, 
I sort of disgusted and amazed myself by just how long I could stay in my robe during the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I actually think what what's come out of it that's the most positive for me is, you know, regaining my confidence in just how spontaneous I am and to be able to relish in that because there are no goalposts, because there was no structure, it was really fun for me. And especially I think for my five-year-old to be like, what, we can make chocolate chip cookies at 10 a.m.? Why not? I don't know. I think in a way it gave me, not in a way, it totally, absolutely gave me permission to celebrate my own sense of spontaneity of creativity creating for myself just because for no for no purpose for no for no expectation of result I wasn't you know I wasn't singing for an audition I was singing because I wanted to because I needed to I wasn't dancing in my living room because I needed to get in shape for an audition or something I was dancing because that was what was fun I mean, permission is exactly it. I mean, that's what I was hearing, right? That you yes. allowed yourself this permission. Yes. Uh, and felt very liberated by that. And also that everything you did was not attached to an outcome. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think the huge aha moment for me in that was creativity for pleasure, for fun, for survival, creativity for creativity's sake. Um, I had hit this stage of my career where, you know, um, I'm not getting any younger and roles are changing that I can still play. And I think I've had my feet stuck in the mud. I was still, you know, as I think performers in an, in, in a performance industry were so goal oriented. We got to check off that box. I got to achieve Broadway by this time. I got to play this dream role. I got to, um, I have to redeem myself from that job I lost by working with this director in another capacity. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to do this goal, goal, goal. And I was so focused on things I hadn't yet accomplished that I didn't even realize that the things that I hadn't yet accomplished were goals that I had set for myself when I was in my early twenties, goals that I was clinging to from so long ago. And I was just sort of adding stuff on top of that instead of allowing myself to be in the moment with my career and to go with the ebb and flow of what was being presented to me and what I was able to create for myself. And I think I was able to wade out of the mud and truly free myself from the expectation of what type I was, what casting directors think of me, their idea of me. I think it's helped me just sort of release those chains and enter into a time in my career where I don't have to take a job just because I think I, I need the credit or I need to do something. I think um, I've been riding the train for the, for so long. I realize that I'm the conductor of my own train, yes. which is so empowering. It's so <laughs> empowering to be able to say, this is not what the industry, oh, this is who, this is how I want to represent myself. This is, I've culled together all of my best assets and strengths. And now this is how I want to, to release those back into the world mm -hmm. in a good way that, you know, that's beyond myself. Um, and so I think it's given me a lot of patience. I think, you know, a lot of performers right now are, I, I feel I feel for them to not, not have the ability to work or to, you know, be moving back home or moving out of the city because they can't afford it. And, 
you know, to, to have this unwanted lull in their career opportunities, I am super lucky and I'm sort of the opposite. I'm, I'm not in any rush. Obviously, like once theater and live performance are up and running, like I'm ready for it. But I'm sort of loving living in this place of just being creative for creativity's sake and really honing in on who I am and how I'm going to present what gifts I've been given and how I've harnessed that. So, so you really, again, are demonstrating another beautiful concept of awareness. It's, it's literally yes. awareness. It's, it's an awareness of this is what is, this is what I believe that's not serving me anymore. Um, yes. Not be going to be immediately replaced by some new limiting belief, but rather I'm open to the journey and you're in for the long game, it sounds like. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It's autumn if your life was like an open stage, a wide open stage. And you were the writer, the director, and the leading lady. What story would you create? Ah, uh, I mean, I, gosh, that's a good question. Wow, that's such a good question. That's, and it's an important question to be able to answer for yourself, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I would create something that would elicit empathy from those that were watching. It would be a hodgepodge of enough ideas that you could glean onto something. But then again, I'm making that about the, the, the audience instead of what I would create. The stage is just a metaphor for, for your life. Of course. Actors obviously, you know, learn lines that are dedicated to, you know, becoming a character and portraying a story that someone else wants us to tell. Yeah. With, with, with authenticity and all that. And, you know, there's some of the most talented people in the world, but that's their job, right? Yes. But so many of us are playing roles in, in our lives. Yes. Right. And, you know, yes. you all the roles that, that we play and all the, scripts that we follow, whether it be a mother, a daughter, a lover, a friend, uh, whatever we do. I mean, just fill in the blank, you know? Mm -hmm. And we tend to operate from that place, from, from being the, the player, the leading player sometimes. Yeah. But we never think about also being the guy, you know, and going back to the, the stage metaphor, the guy sitting in the dark going, yeah, do it more like this, or more like that, or, you know, rewriting yes. that doesn't work. Or recasting the people in your life. If the players aren't, you know, vibing together, you know what I mean? So if you think of that as this metaphor where you are the whole creative team, which you are for your life. Yeah. What would your life look like? I think my life would be full of curiosity. I think I would embody curiosity, honestly, just always being open and questioning and sort of sponge-like about all experience. I, sometimes I call myself um, an optimistic skeptic. <laughs> and that's been since I was a little kid. I've always, always, always been asking questions. I'm just, I'm always, I'm always challenging. I'll play devil's advocate. I'll ask too many questions. I'm just always questioning everything. Um, but it's not because I want to tear down the foundation of anything. It's because I want to understand it so that I can relate it to other things. Um, and that's sort of always been my personality. Um, so I, yeah. Wow. I need to think more on that. Cause that's a really 
awesome question. And I'm, I'm trying to let it wash over me in a way of like, I don't want to say what I think I should say. I want to say what yeah. comes no, to me, what I feel. Yeah. No, I can, I, can, I can hear that and I can see that. It makes perfect sense what you're saying. I mean, maybe it doesn't feel like it does, but it absolutely does. And let me ask you this. <laughs> oh. What, what gets in the way of curiosity for you? I think confidence. I think, you know, my ability to trust myself. You know, it, I'm a college-educated woman, and it's amazing that when I'm free and in the moment and I, you know, when I'm in a supportive environment, I am able to articulate what I need to clearly and concisely, and um, I can pontificate on an idea, but um, the second I feel I judge myself or I assume that someone else is judging me or I, I feel an expectation coming in, I lose that confidence. And yeah. that, that's where I get to the point where I'm like, well, maybe I'm not smart. Maybe this is just what I think because of my environment. Maybe I'm not that, oh my gosh, maybe I am you know, uh, I just, I doubt everything. And what is the meaning of it anyway? Who the fuck cares what I think? If it doesn't apply to your life, it doesn't matter. Just tell me to shut up, you know? Th those are your gremlins. It's yes. not about getting rid of them, but rather repurposing them, right? Getting to know- Yes, repurposing and, and working in tangent with them. Well, understanding right? they're there in the first place. Usually they are part of us. Usually they were there in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because they were trying to protect you from maybe being embarrassed or- you Yes. Know, and that kind of thing. And it probably helped you when they first came up, but they, they kind of hung out for a while and then, you know, kind of, you know, became a go-to. And then, yeah. so you've got, you know, it's good to be open to listen, to hear what those voices are saying and then to yes. call them out and say, hey, thanks for that, man, but I don't need it, you know? And, yes. But stick around and maybe you could do something else for me in this case. It's yes. You asked what's holding me back from, you know, fully, full actualization. Um, and before you had asked me what that aha moment was. Yeah. I think in the beginning of the shutdown, when the moment came when I really realized just how long it was going to be before even the opportunity of performance would present itself again, I think I fortunately was able to allow myself to sort of sit in the morning phase. Yes. To sit in the fear. And I think <laughs> I slapped myself for saying the aha moment because it's like saying, um, that's like to me saying the overnight success. No one has overnight success. You work for years and years and years and years and years. And then a perfect opportunity, kismet, synchronicity, manifestation, whatever comes to fruition and the rest of the world sees what you already possess. So to them, it seems like an overnight sensation to you. It's a, you know, you've let, you've, open the floodgates of your beacon of creativity and now you're able to reach everybody instead of just yourself. And so it's not that I had an aha moment. It's that I, the shutdown gave me the time and the quiet and the lack of stimulation in order to process through all of my stages of grief over that which I can't control. Mm -hmm. I can't control what casting agents think of me. I can't control 
if my agents want to keep me through a transition, I can't control what jobs I'm going to get or lose. I can't control any expectation of what the world has for me or about me. And I was able to sit through all of those stages and really assess how they made me feel. Mm -hmm. And I think that sense, that ownership of my own gifts, of my own creativity, of my own self, I was able to hold all those gremlins at bay because I think I was able to grieve with all my gremlins to say, oh, oh, you were part of this. And my own lack of confidence is part of my journey. And I have to know what that lack of confidence is and how it affects me in order to overcome it or utilize it. Mm -hmm. And stop apologizing for any of it, a full integration of my successes and failures and knowing that both sides of the coin are what make me who I am. Yeah. You recognize all the things that you can't control. Yes. And you know what we can control always is how we respond to those things. Yes. And that's our power. Absolutely. All the things that you're saying to me now, you know, which yes, which don't look like something on a resume. It's oversimplifying it, but I kept thinking about how I stopped putting on makeup during the lockdown that amount of time without putting up, you know, not just makeup, but putting on that guard to go outside, putting on, putting on the persona that everybody knows of Autumn, who everybody thinks I am and putting that suit on to get back in the world. And having taken that off for so long and really just being myself, good, bad, ugly, sad, happy, you know, whatever. And, and being able to stop apologizing for that to be able to stop making excuses for who I am at my core instead of who I present myself as. I don't know, maybe it's age, maybe it's experience, maybe it's uh, you know a combination of everything, but instead of that driving me mad or into a depression, it propelled me in the opposite direction. I get to curate how I present myself to the world and the closer I can get to my raw, unapologetic self, full gamut of emotions autumn, um, it doesn't matter who that puts off because the people that are going to see that and appreciate in that in me, those are all going to be more fruitful, meaningful relationships and experiences anyways. I, I don't have to pander to what I thought yeah. would please everyone. Instead, yeah. I'm just putting out m- my best. And if you like it, come on the journey. If you don't, there's someone else out there that We'll have what you need. Good for you. Amazing. I could speak with you all day. I could do this all day too. You're blowing my mind. I'm thinking I'm, you know, I'm buzzing, so to speak. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. As much as I want to, I won't keep you all day, but I'm going to ask you a few more things. (laughs) How do you want to be remembered? Oh, gosh. I know. That's a biggie. I want to be remembered as being someone who is generous and kind and positive you can't control if you'll be remembered for your talent or not, but I hope that people will think of me as a fair person, as a community-driven person, someone who is funny. Why do you think it's important to you to be funny? I think, I think humor is, you know, the best kind of humor comes out of the darkest situations. You know, really funny people are just really honest people. 
that, you know, I think that's what it is. I hope people just remember me as being honest. And sometimes that's funny and sometimes it's difficult, but I think truth is often funny. Can you hear my kid laughing at it? It's so perfect. Perfectly timed. All right, you ready for the rapid fire? You're okay. Right. What makes you hungry? Chocolate. <laughs> so what makes you sad? Injustice. Inspired. Talent. Frustrated. Ignorance. Motivated. Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you angry? Bad weather. Isn't that fun? I, I don't know. I hate bad weather. Grateful. Oh, what makes you grateful? Oh, my family. Yeah. And my friends, my family. What are the top three things that happened so far today? Everybody slept in. It always starts the day off great. Um, this interview, I've been looking for. I've been looking forward to this. This is definitely one of my top three today already. Oh, um, oh, <laughs> there's my kid again. My kid, he's making me really happy today. He's been, he's just been a little sweetheart today. This has been a tremendous conversation. I just, I mean, I knew it would be. I find you so fascinating, and I so uh, likewise. So really, I appreciate you um, taking the time to be in the moment with me today. I appreciate you thinking of me and asking me to participate, truly. Hey, everybody. Thank you again so much for following the Stop Time podcast. If you are enjoying what you are hearing, please go to your provider and leave comments. I would love to hear from you. You can also reach me at wideopenstages.com. I've been speaking today with Autumn Hurlbert. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. And remember to live in the moment. In music, stop time is that beautiful moment where the band is suspended in rhythmic unison, supporting the soloist to express their individuality. In the moment, I encourage you to take that time and create your own rhythm. Until next time, I'm Lisa Hopkins. Thanks for listening.